Hello and welcome to Into Your Life podcast. I'm Lenka and I'm joined here by my wonderful co-host Natalie. Hi, we invite you to join our weekly conversations about finding more life in one's life. Well, what does it actually mean? We have discussions about ways to live happier, healthier and more fulfilling lives, both personally and professionally. That sounds great. Let's go. Lenka, today I want to talk to you about a really serious topic, something that has been on my mind for a while. I'm experiencing it. The majority of the world is living in it. And I just thought it's time we speak about it. We've spoken a lot about trauma. We've spoken a lot about, you know, mindset and way of living. And I thought, let's really bring it down into a specific topic. And today, I actually want to talk about fear. I want to talk about how fear can impact us. And as I said, majority of the world at the moment is living in fear. You turn on the news and what do you get? You get bombarded with wars. You get bombarded with diseases. You get bomb. You do not get any happy kittens playing around or any good news. All you get is money is tight, economy, you know, no, no gas or electric to, you know, heat your houses, people are freezing, people are starving, there's war here, there's war there, and politicians thrown in, and it's all designed to bring that fear, to have that fear in us, and I'd like to chat to you a little bit about fear, and you being the brainiac of the two of us, I'm going to pick your brains about neuroscience stuff, which I'm sure you're going to be thrilled about. But I also would like to, you know, what does fear do for us as as humans living with it? What does it do for our physical bodies? How does it impact our mindset? Because you're going to do the brain bits, but the mindset. But also, hopefully, I say this, hopefully at the end of it, we will also have something positive to say on how we can shift that, how our audience and our listeners can maybe shift if they are in a bit of fear. So how does this topic grab you? Well, it makes me afraid. It makes me definitely feel fear um, because I'm no neuroscientist. So I might be obsessed with neuroscience and I might know bits here and there. And I definitely do experience fear. But we'll see how I will be able to handle the neuroscience part. The thing is, you might not be a neuroscientist, but you've done the courses, you've done a lot of reading, you have a brain and you can think. And I think this is what it is. It's it's about our experiences, our knowledge, and that's what we're sharing. And somewhere down the line, I'm sure we can find a neuroscientist who will actually give us all the the nitty gritties and bits and pieces. But you and I, we've read neuroscience books, we've done the courses, and we can gather from that. And I think this is a good starting point. And as the saying goes, feel the fear and do it anyway. <laughs> I know it, it, it is a bit cliche and there's a book written about it, but it is, feel the fear and do it anyway. And that's what's so important. And one of the things that I I do love about fear is there's two meanings. And there's, yes, there's the definition of fear and and everything else. But these two meanings are what I live by or try to live by. And that is 
forget everything and run or face everything and rise. And I love that because it gives us a choice. Do we huddle up in bed, throw the duvet over our heads and just curl up and and feel paralyzed as I can't do this. Oh my God, what's going to happen? Where's the world going? How can I cope? And yet it is face everything and rise and just shake off that duvet, step out of bed and face it. (laughs) Sometimes that is easier said than done. And one of the things that I'm also often reminded about is that fear is not necessarily real. And this is probably where some listeners are going to go, hang on a minute. No, 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 it is. Danger is real. Fear is not a real thing. It's not something tangible. It's what's in our minds or how we perceive it. Because what one person might think is scary or fearful, another person might think, well, that's a challenge. That's fun. That's exciting. I will use a roller coaster, for example. There's that fear of getting onto the roller coaster and going on it, and you and somebody might not go on it because of that fear, where somebody else will jump on it and it's like, yes, I love being in the front. I'm going to be in the front. You see me with my hands up, big fat grin on my face. But danger is real. Danger is something that to be to be afraid of like a saber-toothed tiger chasing you. I don't know why we always use that excuse. We haven't had saber-toothed tigers for thousands of years, but that's always the one that that comes up, that example. But it's fear is something that we create for ourselves. We create that fear, fear of failure, fear of success, fear of going into that, networking meeting fear of trying something new there's no danger in that there's just that fear that perceived fear so this is something that i'm find really interesting and i can see by your face you're mulling this over so i'm going to throw this at you and let you see where you come with this where you come with this idea and these thoughts so yeah well fear is it's not just an emotion it's not just something that we feel it is a biological physiological response you know fear can be kind of expressed in you know stress and anxiety and in many different ways and you kind of touched on it in a metaphor that fear responds we know them you know fight or flight or freeze these are all kind of a fear responses but to what you were saying that you know fear is not real and it's all about a danger well depending how you look at it but biologically fear is very much real it is based on our internal reaction in the autonomic nervous system where you know something triggers us there can be an impulse there can be something it could be big it could be small it could be something we're consciously aware or something we are not even clear on what's happening, but yet there is a real physiological reaction. There are things triggered, you know, our tiny little almond-shaped 
uh, part of brain that's the center of fear, amygdala. It's very fast reacting and very, very active, releasing all sorts of hormones, triggering all sorts of reactions that then make us do the things that you kind of described of either, you know, hide under the duvet, avoid dealing with stuff, you know, running away from stuff, being paralyzed. But fear is biologically very real. But then the question is, you know, how can we then work with these underlying biological reactions that we will have? Do we have control over to over them? Can we work with, you know, the stress and anxiety and the biological symptoms to then get more clarity, to then work with the fear, overcome the fear, replace, you know, fear for mem memories, some traumas with better ones? And that's where, for me, the fascinating thing about neuroscience is that, yes, you can. You don't necessarily have to think yourself. You cannot often think yourself out of a fear. That's where you kind of were touching on the mindset that sometimes just thinking, you know, good thoughts and saying a couple mantras and, you know, envisioning better future. Like you can't think yourself out of a panic attack. That's just the body is in action and your, your hormones, there's chemicals, there's electric impulses happening in your brain. And you just can't just say a nice mantra and be like, you know what? Never mind. I'm no longer afraid of spiders. I can deal with heights. I'm not afraid of doing presentations. No. But there are the things that we can do physiologically to help calm the nervous system, to help us be more grounded and think clearly and take control and make conscious decisions. And those are processes that we can practice and that we can learn. And it can be meditation, it can be breath work, it can be cold showers, lots of the modalities that we actually have covered here that we touched on could be used practically as a way of managing our fear response and getting better and healthier and more productive and constructive way of dealing with fear and you know, all sorts of dangerous, scary, uncomfortable impulses that, yeah, we are facing daily in this world. Oh, I, I get that it's a, the, the biological uh, thing and that it, it is there. But it's, it's also when I say that it's not real, it's not like there's a train coming at you. It's not a physical thing. It's something that we create within ourselves that fear is is created within us because as i said two people in the same situation will react differently or have different ideas and it comes from you know upbringing from beliefs that we've been told or taught or the way that we've experienced life it comes from our perceptions it comes from our beliefs in ourselves and I, I mentioned earlier was that you know the fear of failure the fear of success these can stop business owners who are highly skilled and I've come across them myself I'm confronted by it on a weekly basis this the fear of failure or fear of success or a fear of being visible a fear of being seen a fear of will I be judged all of that but it's not a real thing but I've created it within myself. So yes, it feels real in me, 
but it's not really a real thing as something that's tangible or something that is there because I can say, well, I don't want to be seen on LinkedIn because I have a fear of being judged. And you will go, oh, but LinkedIn's a great place. I love it. It's great to be seen and visible. And, you know, I love my community on LinkedIn. There's no danger there. And therefore, the fear is, is almost irrational, this, this fear. Where does it come from? Where's the danger in that? I get if you're standing on a track and there's a train hurtling in your direction. Yes, seriously, have fear. Get off the track. I mean, you know, there you do need that fear that that train's going to hit you. But that's then the danger part of it. That's then you are in danger and do something with it. But the fear of being a guest speaker on on a on a podcast or because oh I might I might slip up or I'm I'm nervous or all of these these are feel very real and I'm not discrediting that they they feel very real to the person but it's not necessarily a real thing is that sort of making sense to you Linka? Yeah, it makes sense. And I think one thing that kind of crossed my mind is that it's a scale again, that it's not either I have fear and I don't have fear. It's not either I'm afraid of success or I'm not afraid of success. I'm either afraid of speaking on, you know, publicly, I'm being visible. But there is a scale of, well, I might be willing to push myself out of my comfort zone. I might be willing to do things, but there could be this underlying level of, but I'm still missing the mark. I'm doing these things that I think I'm afraid of. I'm doing them to a point, and yet maybe they're not performing as well as I would expect them to. Maybe there's just something that is not working. And then it happens to think about, well, I'm doing the scary thing. I'm doing you know the things that I said that I'm afraid of, and yet... I might still not be getting the results and there still might be an even deeper underlying reason that, you know, we might think, well, I'm afraid to be visible because I will be judged, but we can go deeper. Well, I'm afraid of being visible because I think I will be judged because I'm not good enough and I'm not good enough because, you know, for years and years in a school and in you know uh, in work and in my relationships and all sorts of things I've been getting the message that I'm not good enough and that you know I'm not smart enough I'm not pretty enough I'm not you know creative enough whatever enough it is so even though that they're technically you might say well I am on LinkedIn I'm posting things out there I'm creating content I am speaking on podcasts I am visible Yet there is something in you, there is a part of you that's truly you that you're not showing because there is still this layer of fear. So it totally makes sense. This is why I love our conversations because we, you, you come from a totally different idea or you, you say something and think, yeah, but I know that, but I don't think to say it. So this is why I love our conversations. And you you touched on that. It's it's that these limiting beliefs that we pick up there's this baggage that we pick up over the years that we you know am I good enough aren't I good enough am I skinny enough tall enough short enough fat enough thin enough you know it's all these these limiting beliefs that we just carry with us and that helps to 
burn that flame of, of fear. And having that limiting belief, I was, I can't do it. How many times have you spoken to clients or friends or colleagues or anything? Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I would never do something like that. Oh, you must be crazy. That just sounds really like a, that would scare me. And you're not talking about going up and down a roller coaster or, you know, jumping off a cliff with a parachute or or something. You just may be talking about starting a podcast or creating a newsletter or reading a book or learning a different language even, or just having a different way of, of doing something in your life. It's the unknown. And that again is, is what can bring in the fear is the unknown a couple of weeks ago I started tap dance and I was terrified of going and driving to the class it was like oh I'm not going to be good enough my coordination has gone totally wonky in the last few years thank you perimenopause wonderful thank you so much my my brain just turns off sometimes and I I might think, you know, lift up your right arm and wave. And instead, my left foot might be waving about. My coordination is just totally gone. I'm not as fit as I have been. And I haven't danced in years. And all of this was going through my mind. It's like, what is to stop me? Just sending a text message and saying, I can't make it tonight. Something's come up. Easy. It would have been so easy for me to do it. But I, it was also the unknown. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know, would people be nice? Would people be nasty? Would I trip over my feet? Would the teacher be all right? Wouldn't she be all right? And I didn't know the teachers. I had met her, but I didn't know her well. You know, are people going to judge me because I'm, you know, getting on in age? I'm not as young anymore as I'd like to be. I'm not as thin as I'd like to be. You know, all of this goes on. And getting into class is like, oh, my God, she looks so elegant or they look so, you know, then I'm looking at reasons on putting myself down and comparing myself to people I don't even know. And then, of course, it starts happening. (laughs) That was a whole different story. But the thing is, that was a fear that I brought in because of my limiting beliefs, because of the way that I believe about myself or about situations again as an introvert in with a whole bunch of strangers having to be seen doing something that I've never done before and hoping that I don't land on my face the good news is I didn't land on my face but the thing is it's that fear of the unknown it's the fear of what's it going to be like who am I going to see what what's the situation and that can be in any situation We start to bring those limiting beliefs that we've gathered over the years, that wonderful baggage that we've gathered over the years, and we start to judge ourselves on that. And it's so easy to just say, can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, I can't tap dance. I can do a little bit. I've done three hours. I am no no Fred Astaire or no Ginger Rogers. But they did it from... You know, I think they were like five or three or five years old when they started. They did it for hours a day. In three hours, I can't do it, but I'm learning to do it. And that's the difference. And as I asked you earlier, I said, how many times have you heard somebody say, oh, but I can't do that? Oh, but I can't do that. 
yet, yet we can learn. And I think there's something so interesting in this idea that we potentially want to do it. There is this desire, you had this desire to go tap dancing and to learn something. And when you were thinking about in the future, you were kind of thinking it might be you know, a bit scary, but you were okay with that. You were okay to make the commitment to sign up, but then the closer you get to it, the more scary the real it is. And again, that's where our neurobiology plays a role. When we're planning things like that, we are driven by dopamine. It's promising us wonderful things. When we get there, when you're going to do that, when you overcome this obstacle, when you challenge yourself, you will feel amazing. And when you're getting there, dopamine is nowhere to be found. There are different chemicals in your system running the show. And obviously in the moment, then you get the physiological response. You do feel the fear generally, your palms are sweaty, heart rate is increasing. That's what's pushing you then away to like run, like don't do it, like come up with an excuse or just sit in a parking lot, frozen, not able to move, not able to text, not able to do anything or any kind of a response that you might have. But it can be even subtler than that. We might not immediately say, I cannot do that. I could never. We can say like, yeah, sure. Give it a try. In marketing, I see it with my clients all the time. We work on a plan. It is a bit of a push stretch plan to do something that they're uncomfortable doing. Often it is self-promotion, selling, you know, telling people what wonderful things they have on offer, suggesting that they should post, you know, maybe two promotional posts per week, send two promotional emails per month, per week, on in a period of promotion. And in a week, in a two weeks time, when I ask, how did it go? They're like, Ooh, I didn't do that. It's the avoidance. It's the procrastination. It's the thing that we just out of nowhere, it slips our mind. It's just impossible to do. And we are like, oh, I was so busy. I was doing all of these things. Like, wait a minute. Really? That busy? Or is it something hiding? So often we don't even know that there is this fear lingering uh, until someone points it out to us and be like, let's be real for a moment. Why are you afraid to send an email that says, I have something cool to offer to one of I. And I think at the end, you said the most important thing that we kind of, we can't just remove a fear. We have to replace it with a new positive experience. We do need to overcome our biology, our you know, emotions, all the things that are happening. And yes, we need to do it in a, you know, safe way we cannot just go bungee jump and not double check if the rope is properly tied or not but to overcome our fears limiting beliefs our anything that's holding us back we need to just do it and we need to replace bit by bit our previous experiences our ideas our worries all the stories we have in our head real or unreal we need to replace them with new stories, positive stories, positive experiences. And that that is so true. It's it's there's that fear, I can't do that. But then it's looking at what will I become or who will I become if I do that? Or what will I learn? What experience will I have if I get past this and do it? Now for me, I would love to be Ginger Rogers, but Come on, 
let's face facts. I don't have the years to and the time to practice. But I can still learn to tap dance and I can have fun with it. So who will I become having faced that fear and doing it? Starting a business or changing a business or doing something personally, learning something new is who will you become or what will you achieve or what will you acquire by doing it? And I think this is that where you start to shift how the how the brain works or how you are thinking. And of course, it's also being kind to yourself and remembering is I'm not good enough. But where does that thought come from? Where does that come from? Have you been not good enough all your life? Or is this something that you just believe that you're not good enough? Look at what you've achieved. Look at all that you have done in your life. And remind yourself of, of that and start to say to yourself, I am good enough. It's, it's shifting the way that you are thinking. Where does that thought come from? Oh, I'm fat. I can't tap dance because I'm overweight. Who says I'm overweight? I'm no Twiggy or I can't think of any of the other sort of supermodels, Naomi Campbell, or I don't even know any of the new ones. But I'm not six foot tall either. And it's not genetically in my DNA. I look at my family. I look at where I come from. But who says that I can't tap dance because I'm overweight? Nobody has necessarily said that specific thing to me. But because we are judged by our weight, we're judged by our size, we're judged by everything, we pick that up as a personal reason to not do something and and so it's where does that come from you know it's if you think about anything where you're saying oh, but I can't do that or they'll judge me or whatever it is where does that thought come from is it true because quite often it's not necessarily true and this is where you need to really start to look at what it is and then shift it. Okay, I am five foot three. I am overweight, but I can tap dance. Not well yet, but I'm working on it. But because I'm overweight, does that mean I can't do anything that I want to do? I'm overweight because of the age that I'm at. The, my body's going through things. I look at my family, the genetics of my family. I eat healthy. I could most probably do more, but hey, I don't. But that doesn't mean that I can't do what I want to do. Okay, I might not become a ballerina, <laughs> but I don't want to be a ballerina. So there we go. But it's it's start to look at different things. I, I know Lenka and I, we're putting our videos now on YouTube. A year ago, I said to her, we won't do YouTube, we won't be filming because I can't edit and I don't want to edit. And then I just decided one day, who says I can't edit? Let me just play around and see what happens. Yeah, you don't want to see those beginning results. It was a lot of fun. But the thing is, we can do it if we shift it. It's shifting our thoughts, shifting the way that, that we're doing things. The minute you think, I can't, 
maybe just add yet. Add yet to it. I can't juggle yet. But then again, I don't practice either. So duh. So the thing is, it's it's start looking at where are these limiting beliefs coming from? Are they true? And how can you shift them? And this is so important because when you start to shift them, you start to face everything and rise. Or as, as um, I don't know who it is who says, feel the fear, but do it anyway. Because what you do is when you start to shift the way you're thinking, shift the words that you're using, you shift the emotion in you, you shift that fear in you, and it then becomes a joy or an adventure. You start to get different things. But also one thing is fear and excitement are almost the same feelings. When you're excited, your heart races, your palms sweat. So it can be the same physical emotion. So is it excitement or is it fear? Just start to play with that idea and yes some of it is fearful we do live in in a really heavy negative world at the moment so stop watching the news look for ways to not put yourself in that situation where you're going to be receiving fear so how can you shift it how can you just shift the way that you're thinking and the thoughts and the ideas that you've got and I'll bring it back to the biology as well. One thing is to mentally reframe it. One thing is to you know observe the thoughts we have and the words we have and how we you know uh, react in our minds to certain circumstances. And yes, change the narrative. But part of it is use the biology, use the neuroscience, use the tools that we've been given easily but you know it can be breath work and we had some wonderful guests talking about the power of breath and how we can really use it to you know calm our nervous system to slow down the reactivity um we did talk about you know hot and cold exposure and you know there is incredible science showing that if we consciously put ourselves into stressful states such as cold shower or sprinting or anything it really gets our physiological reaction the fear reaction happening but we are in a calm mind we don't have the fearful emotional reaction we can almost a bit desensitize ourselves to fear so we can be less reactive to the small things in life that we can be a bit more in control where things are happening we retain a lot more of the clarity and control because what fear does Often it takes away our control. It takes away our ability to respond and we just react. So I would say on top of kind of the, you know, linguistic interventions, look around, consider the things that we could be doing using our body, such as breath work, such as meditation, such as journaling, such as, you know, called exposure. And I'm sure there are more of them that you can work with both your body and your mind. So now, question over to you, our lovely listeners and viewers. How do you cope with fear? Do you have any strategies that you use to 
progress and get out of tricky situation where you feel the fear response. Do we have any experts on fear in our um, audience who would really want to come and potentially correct us and take us deeper and give us a lot more practical, meaningful insights into fear? We'd love to hear from you. And hopefully we did not scare you off and you'll come and listen to another episode soon. If you enjoyed listening to our conversation, please share it with your friends and colleagues and don't forget to subscribe. We would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and write a short review.